0: Welcome to Interactions with Reality. This is Season 2, Episode 6. So, today we're going to be talking talking about practical prepping. Now, what qualifies me to talk about prepping? Well, first off, um, maybe we should cover a little bit of... Alright, all right, I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to go a different direction with this to start it out. Okay. So, prepper people... Um, there's different kinds of preppers. There's preppers that live in fear of the future. And there's preppers that live looking forward to the future. And there's, there's preppers that prep for others. And there's preppers that prep for themselves. And whatever kind of prepper you are, you might find this episode handy. And I hope you do because Well, I mean, otherwise, I've wasted your time and mine. Well, maybe not mine, but yours. Um, And I'm not trying to waste nobody's time. I'm trying to tell people about practical things they can do to get ready for hard times. So if you live in a country and you're expecting history to repeat itself and let's say the food system shut down, the grid shuts down, the gasoline isn't available, the power isn't available, the running water thing maybe doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> you know, all these little things like that. Um What can you do about it? All right, so first off, look at your landscaping in your house or around your house or whatever, and around your your neighborhood and different places and, and stuff like that. There's um a lot of trees and shrubs and all these nice little fancy flowers and all that stuff. But how much of it's edible and how much can you use to feed you and your family and other people? Well, often the answer is even if you did have stuff in your yard that you could feed people with, you might not even know about it. <laughs> so, um, so look at your landscaping, see what you have, see if it's edible or useful see if it grows in significant enough quantities to where you could actually realistically feed people with it, and so on and so forth. And aim for zero-scaping, which is where there's no water inputs except what nature provides, just like the woods get or a field gets or whatever else. So when you go towards zero-scaping, you look for perennials, and perennials last multiple years versus annuals, which last one year or one season or whatever. So, um, do so you want to go for perennials in general because that's long-term food supply and you're looking for landscaping. You want your yard to look nice. You want it to look pretty and all that sort of thing. I get it. So you can still, you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. All right. There's a lot of really cool plants that make great landscaping, but they're also edible and they're also useful. <laughs> One that I was reading about recently was lilies. Believe it or not, lilies, apparently, um, there's uh, some or maybe all varieties that are edible. I'm not 100% sure on, on all this. I briefly, briefly looked it up, but... If you can use any part of the lily plant, then, hey, maybe that's a, a piece of edible landscaping that is worthwhile. Um, of course, whenever it comes to plants, don't just trust the first person that tells you it might be edible or whatever else. Look up multiple sources. See what multiple people are saying about it. Maybe that person heard, and and, and I haven't had experience, I haven't eaten lily, so... Because I haven't eaten lilies, and or b- the bulb or the leaf or the flower. My my word, is a guess based on something that I read on the internet, which anybody could have posted. So, until I have personal experience, I don't want to say eat the lilies. But if you uh, are interested, um, you could look that up, and that would be one plant where it would just look like normal landscaping but maybe you could eat the whole thing who knows so look that up um some plants that i've i like um that are useful sunchokes because sunchokes are easy to grow the uh the level that you have to be is pretty much like the absolute beginning basics know nothing about gardening no green thumb you just gotta like order some of these tubers or buy some at the grocery store or whatever and you plant them and you forget them and you don't have to water them in you don't have to take care of them just put them in there and forget them and next thing you know you'll have sunchokes coming up and they're borderline invasive they may be invasive in some areas, so be smart about where you put them. And you may want to put an underground wall that's maybe a foot and a half deep or so around your sunchokes. Because rumor has it that their tubers will... Basically, the sunchoke will spread and spread and spread and spread and take over huge areas and be... um a little bit of a pain so if you want sunchokes you might want to do the underground wall thing just to keep them in the area that you want them in and nowhere else because unless you're committed to going out there and doing a ridiculous amount of work um you're probably going to want to do the wall thing because yeah why not make it easy on yourself for the future <clears throat> so, Sunchokes, they grow 6 to 10 foot tall. They have daisy-like flowers. This is my first year growing them. And mine are already probably about 6 foot tall. And they look really cool. They So far, I mean, it's been a great experience growing them. And in the fall, I guess I can harvest a, a ridiculous amount of tubers. So, um, let's see what else, uh, Chaya, Chaya is another good one. I'm talking about plants right now that are good in like AA and above. So if you're not in AA, and if you don't even know what I'm talking about with AA, I'm talking about a USDA hardiness zones. So everywhere in the U.S. there are hardiness zones, and they're documented, and you can go on the internet and type in your area and ask what hardiness zone is it, and it'll tell you, and there's basically a number, and that number basically corresponds with how many cold day hours you're going to get and what you can and can't grow there. So as you're planning your landscaping, you can look up plants that grow great in Let's say in my case, zone 8A. So there's an 8B and there's uh 9, 10, you know, but whatever. Hawaii is unique in that it has all the growing zones, um, as far as I understand. And uh yeah, so whatever wherever you're at, look up the plants that are are easy to grow, super low maintenance requiring no inputs or very little inputs and produce a decent crop sweet potatoes is another great crop i like those a lot um but all these things take time to grow and how long can you eat the sun choke tubers like how big a, an area do you need to plant to provide enough for a family the size of your family these are, these are questions you need to start asking yourself. But in the meantime, if you're just, just starting out and you want to be practical, you don't want to go overboard or get carried away or whatever, you can have at least some food in your yard. And that'll be good because, you know, some is better than none. And when you're hungry, um, you're going to be happy that your your landscaping is edible versus just ornamental. Now, I appreciate ornamental landscapes. I appreciate edible landscapes. I garden both ways, and i mix uh mix in plants. Oh, another thing about the sun chokes right so when when or if there are everybody gets hungry and there's not enough food, there's gonna be people that are willing to do just about anything to get the food including robbing you at gunpoint or otherwise. And so if they come to your yard and they're looking for food, maybe they take the apples off the apple tree. Maybe they take the, the mulberries off the mulberry tree. They take the stuff that it looks like food to them, and then they leave the rest. So, uh, sun chokes, for example, I mean, it's a tuber that's edible, but if you don't know what it is in the first place, you might just think it's some ornamental flowers and they're kind of like a daisy, you know? So, um, you know, you might miss the fact that there's food right there. The chaya as well. You might miss that. That's an edible thing. That's really delicious. And there are so many plants like that, that, you can hide in amongst your garden where the people, sure, they're going to take the food looking things, but they don't know that although they pick the mulberries off the mulberry tree, which that's an interesting thing in, in the first place because it's um in a way it kind of prevents overharvesting because that has what's called a rolling harvest where it's they just keep getting ripe. So you go out there and you pick all the ripe ones and then the next day. go out there again and there's more ripe ones and ground cherries like that as well you go out there and you pick all the ripe ones leave the green ones and then you know the next day you're going to have a few more to, to choose from and that also makes both of those fantastic for children by the way um let's see here yeah so mulberry interesting fact that a lot of people don't know is you can eat the leaf, and so if somebody comes and steals your berries, you still got the leaf. That's handy, really handy. You can grow a ridiculous amount of leaves on a tree, and those leaves can be rather large, and although they might not taste the best, um, you know, there's something you could throw in a stir fry, and you could you could actually use them, and I've heard that they actually help remove intestinal parasites because of their coarse. Um, I guess it's like a coarser leaf. So I guess it's kind of like scrubs the intestines or something like that. I don't know, but I have eaten mulberry and I've eaten mulberry leaf and both are good. And I've put them in my cooking and people still like my cooking. So that's good enough for me uh, on that. I would recommend some things like that. Although I have heard complaints about the mulberry in that birds eat it and then they poop on things. And then there's mulberry stains on your car or on your whatever. So maybe mulberry is not the one for you. Who knows? I don't know what your situation is. I plant a lot of it personally. Um, yeah. So look into that Um I would study zero scaping. I believe it s- starts with an X. Um, X E R O or something like that. Scaping. Um, yeah. So that's one practical burping chip. Another thing is, <clears throat> so I used to, I used to go to these things out in the woods. These crazy hippie gatherings where it's like. Well, pretty much all the religions are represented. There's just people from all walks of life. There's rich people, there's poor people, there's hobos and travelers and, um, like train hoppers and stuff. And there's the dirty kids and the different factions and stuff. And, it's, uh, and then there's the yoga people and, the the people that are pursuing various forms of spirituality and, And then there's the Christians and the, you know, the Jews and the, I I didn't see Muslims. I think, I feel like the Muslims were left out of that one. Um, Not deliberately, but it just, you know, I didn't really see Muslims going there. So, um, yeah, so it was like a cashless society that would spring up in the woods. There'd be no money. Um, You just traded things for things that you wanted and, you know. If you were participating in the in the spirit of the event, you would decline cash for things. You would just say, "I don't want money; I just want to trade you know so if money is traded, it's typically traded as like an ornament or something like that, so like a wire wrap or or whatever. but in the society, because it's barter and there's no money. It's kind of like a way to experience like what life would be if the economy crashed, for example. So that's kind of fun. It's like you start to see what people actually want and what what the high value trades are and all that sort of thing. So when you're prepping, you can see that, well alcohol is discouraged in those gatherings, but in regular society, a lot of people consume alcohol and it's a fantastic trading item. So even if you don't drink, you could keep alcohol on hand because it keeps for like indefinitely, more or less. (laughs) I mean, you hear, you hear of like really, I mean, the older the bottle, the better kind of thing. (laughs) So if you get some, some bottles, um, with good corks or good good lids or whatever and you store them properly um that is currency that you can use in a pinch to you know help with hard times also when there is no um no medical uh alcohol has a pretty large medical history um people used to use whiskey and all kinds of stuff like that for various medical things. So that was considered overall effective and whether or not they were just getting tipsy or it was actually doing something. Uh, I think, I think the evidence is in that, you know, there are some practical benefits to it. <clears throat> so another thing is even if you don't smoke tobacco, There are a lot of people that smoke, and they are heavily addicted to nicotine. And if there's no tobacco available, they will do all kinds of things to get tobacco. So if you're going to be practical in your prepping, um, get some tobacco and just have it on hand. Maybe get some seeds for tobacco, and then in hard times you can grow tobacco and have something to trade later on even if you don't want to actually hold the loose leaf tobacco or whatever tobacco you can find um just right there. So, yeah, so buy up some tobacco and just keep it, you know, in good storage. Um You can buy silica packs for next to nothing and, and they'll really help. And uh I think there's a thing you can do. I'm trying to remember how it goes. Something with like, Maybe steel wool and something else. Maybe steel wool and salt. Uh, I could be wrong, but basically something that is supposed to create a a chemical reaction and suck the oxygen out of the equation, which helps things keep longer depending on what you've got going on. So, um, let's see. Oh, another really big hot trade, candy. People like their sweets a lot. And in a world where there is no sweets because the trucks can't transport the sweets to the store and the stores are closed anyway because of excessive looting or whatever else. um, You, you would be surprised what people would pay in items for a Snickers bar when there is none available. Candy is incredibly valuable and it keeps for a long time, generally speaking. And it is currency. It is currency in hard times. Um, So keep that in mind. Um, And if nothing else, it could be a morale booster. So, um, yeah, those are a couple practical things you can do for prepping. I would also say that in a society where there's no motorized vehicles and people primarily walk to get to where they are, are going and all that stuff, 5 gallon buckets. Those things are fantastic. You can haul water in them, you can haul food in them, you can haul all kinds of stuff in them. And you can put lids on them and prevent things from getting out of them <laughs> that way. And and yeah, so 5 gallon buckets having at least a couple for each member of your family um that could help you in in the uh in the future. If you have to go out and gather resources or harvest food from the wild or whatever else. So I recommend getting some of those. And the cool thing is you can go ahead and keep your supplies in the five-gallon bucket. And, you know, a bucket of rice and a bucket of beans. That's pretty practical. Uh, Rice and beans are pretty good, but they do have expiration dates. So, you know, the thing that keeps longer is pastas. Pastas keep really long. So look when you're at the store, just start looking at expiration dates and see which items expire sooner rather than later. And then make a plan not to waste the item. So if you are getting your rice and beans, for example, and you have, well, if you eat them on a regular, it may be a little easier to figure this out. But basically, What what we like to do is buy a six month plus supply of rice and beans or whatever. And then we use it. We use it. But in order of the expiration dates and as we use it, we get new ones as well. So um, that was my battery alarm. Yeah. So basically, we're always just cycling in new, but we're keeping maybe a six month or a year supply on hand you know, if we store food, um, you know, people might want to come and take the food. Now, our plan is to give them food because we, we try to love people. And I think that's a nice thing to do is to to hand out food to hungry people. So some preppers want to save their food. And so they, they want to invest in all kinds of firepower and all this stuff what you could do instead of all that violent stuff is make a plan to have a little safe house where you can hide then when the roving gangs come through or whatever they come through and maybe they take some things but um if you have multiple stashes that you you bury in the ground or whatever else and key locations, then after they leave, you dig up your next bucket, and you're back in action. No big deal. (coughs) And another thing is, if the roving gangs come and they want to kill you in your family, um, you can become a lot more valuable by saying, hey, you can kill me, or I can help you. Because I know where these stashes of food are all over town or all over my property or whatever it is. And if you guys cooperate and you guys take care of me, I will help you by giving you some food here and there. And you can pull out a bucket with a lot of candy and tobacco and alcohol and uh, appease them. And and then maybe spare your life. That would be cool. So this is just some rambling on some practical tips. Oh, another thing. Um oh, this episode's going long. All right. Whatever. We're just going to roll with it. Um Another thing is a lot of preppers, they want to get these primitive fire starting methods. Now, there is a really cool um bow drill thing that uh, I don't even know if I'm going to try to attempt to describe how it goes. But basically, imagine a plank, and you drill a hole in the center of the plank and at each end of the plank. Now, in the center of the plank, you place a stick. And then at each end of the plank, you tie a rope or a string, and the string goes all the way up to the top of the stick. And it gets like wound around the top of the stick, and it goes down to the other side of the plank. And then as you move the plank up and down, it causes oh, and then you twist it and you twist it and twist it and twist it, and when it's all twisted up, basically when you push down, it spins the stick, and then you just keep on it just like it keeps on going um like that they i I don't know what it's called, so I don't know how to tell you to look it up, but I saw it on one of those primitive um primitive survival shows on YouTube, so you can look into that if you want but realistically this is 2022 newsflash um and we have these things called lighters and they're super easy to use so um just get a couple packs of Bics or something you know that's going to last a really long time if you're conservative with it and uh it beats matches and it beats all the other stuff if your lighter's wet dry it out before you use it of course but but yeah um like, you can get the, the Swedish fire key and you can get the flint and steel and all those things. And that's cool. Um, those methods work. Um, they are work as well. So, why not just make it easy and just get some big lighters? I mean, you don't got to get all crazy. Um, you don't have to know how to start a fire by rubbing sticks together. <laughs> that's not That's not needed. I mean... It's a handy skill to have. If you want to go learn it, cool. But, like, just get a lighter. It's easier. So, yeah, just be practical like that. Um, <clears throat> what we do sometimes is we make, um, like, I made a, I, ha- I got um, some ammo cases that were donated. And so I filled them up with granola bars and oatmeal and, um quinoa, I put a jar of molasses in it. Um, and then I put some fish hooks and lures and bobbers and a lighter and a knife. And that's really practical. You know, these are things where it's like, if you are really hungry and you open up a case and you find, ah, I have fire, a means to cook. Oh, I have some rice and some beans. Oh, great. That's cool. Oh, I have some candy too. That's nice. Yeah, I I do a couple handfuls of lifesavers in there, um, the candy lifesavers, um, and yeah, so you just think about what your future self would like um, to find in a case like that if you didn't have access to running water or electric or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe put some iodine tablets in there or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that's uh. That's another thing you can do i I really like to to just be simple about it though, and leave all the the fear out of it and leave all the nonsense out of it. The world's going crazy, yeah, but there's no need to get all nuts out of it, and they like just don't lose your head, don't lose your head because in a survival situation, that's what you want the most is your head. You want to be practical. You want to be simple. You want to have fun, and incorporate fun into survival. Like it doesn't all have to be um, this thing where you're just suffering the whole time constantly. But but yeah. Um, so there's a few practical tips on survival, and I'm twenty made twenty eight minutes in. So I'm gonna go ahead and end this because my cell phone battery is going down, and yeah, but maybe I'll get on again and do some more practical things about prepping and all that sort of thing. I don't really think of myself as a prepper so much um although we do prepping it's just more like a side thing just because i see i i guess I see what's going on I see the game and I've seen the tricks before because I at least had some education in history. And uh, so, yeah, I I think that we're in for some hard times. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. Um, That would be nice if we weren't. But let's be real, (laughs) you know. Um, Yeah, I I won't even go into all the stuff I know about it. but, But another practical thing, I'll leave you with this get a little seed bank together. You know, even if you're not into gardening now and you're not really interested in it now, get some seed bank together. It's going to be better. And then um, I've talked about this on past episodes, I think, but uh, look up the laws for your area just because you don't want to hurt the environment. But um, if you can get duckweed or azolla, duckweed is edible. It's got up to 12% protein and it's got vitamin B12. And it's, um, if you were to have like a pool of it or something and then harvest half of that pool, then within five days you would be able to harvest again, et cetera, et cetera. So it would be very nice to have a number of items that you can harvest on, on a regular basis like that. Now, azolla. I hear can repopulate within like 24 hours and maybe as few as 16. So if you want some food that you could harvest every single day or once a week, that's that's probably a real practical decision for you. Now, if you can have a little greenhouse and things like that, cool, that's great. Um, Some mushroom cultivation, Uh, might be might be handy for the same thing anyway I'm 30 minutes in and I'm just gonna stop it here because I really yeah I really just gotta get on because I've got a lot of work to do I've been working nights so I work from about 9 or 10 p.m. until about 4 or 5 a.m. and then I go to sleep until about noon or so. And sometimes up to two. And then, uh, then I get up and I, I work on other things. Um, you know, like things my wife wants me to do and things that can only be done in the day and stuff like that. So I, so I work in the daytime and the nighttime, but I primarily work at night. I feel like that's when I get the most done. Um, it's the fewest distractions and I don't have people demanding things of me all the time. So it's, it's, uh, I can really focus and get a lot done. So, um, shout out to headlamps. Headlamps are amazing. And that would be another practical, um, thing you could get when you're prepping is just some good flashlights and good equipment like that. Maybe one of those little plug-in boxes where it's like a solar box where, You charge it up and and then it has like outlets on it and you can charge a laptop or you can charge a light or not charge a light, you can run a laptop or run a light or charge up cell phones or whatever else with it. Um, We have one, I think it was like a hundred bucks and then another little bit for a solar panel and we can charge it up in a day and it lasts for three days and it's handy and we can use it for power wherever we need it in the woods or on the property up here by the house um yeah so we've used it for playing radio um at night for the chickens because if you play a radio and stuff you're way less likely to have a fox or a coon come by trying to snag a chicken because those things the the coons and the foxes and things like that don't really like to hear I mean, they they don't like to interact with people. (laughs) They're not trying to socialize. Um, And that's not always true, but like a a large amount of the time, that's enough to deter them from an area. So if you play a radio during the night uh, as protection for your chickens, that can work in a pinch if you don't have a proper cage built where it can withstand those predators. All right. Okay, for real, I'm leaving this time. All right, that's it.